Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. I am your host, Dylan Bowman. Always grateful to have you here. Today, our guest is Martina Valmasoy, the Italian ski mountaineer and trail runner who also happens to be one of the best photographers and creatives in mountain sport. I've wanted to have Martina on the podcast for a long time. We've known each other loosely for a few years, but I have followed her on Instagram for a while now, and I have always really admired how she's carved out a great living for herself in the sport as an athlete, as a content creator, as a brand builder and entrepreneur herself. So it's great to finally have her on the program. This summer, Martina won TDS, the 145K sister race to UTMB. She also exhibited her creativity and athletic versatility by riding the entirety of the Giro d'Italia route in her home country of Italy in what was a multi-week personal project. Super, super cool to follow along. It's great to chat about that. We also talk about her background, her experience being involved in Hillary Allen's harrowing rescue after her fall at the Tromso Sky Race in 2017. We talk about Martina's introduction to photography, her small business, her brand, Insane Inside, the cool trail running hats you've probably seen at races or on social media. And then at the end, we get around to talking about the little prize money controversy that ensued after her TDS victory last summer that Martina courageously spoke up about online, encouraging a really healthy conversation in the community back in August and early September. We recorded this episode probably six or eight weeks ago at this point, and we're finally getting around to releasing it now. I think you all will really love getting to know Martina And if you don't already, you must go follow her on Instagram. She's one of the best accounts, one of my favorite accounts on the entire internet. So thanks for Martina for joining us. As usual, the Free Trail Podcast is presented by Speedland. Go pre-order the GSTAM ASAP, the new commission of footwear from Speedland and my personal signature shoe inspired by Mount Tamalpais and the trails of Marin County, the place We just moved back to, to plant our roots as a family, the best year-round trail running destination in the entire world, in my opinion. The GS Tam represents all that. It is an amazing all-around trail shoe. Great for short runs and long runs, great for smooth and technical trails, and also just incredibly durable that will allow you to squeeze maximal lifespan out of the product. You will get insane amount of miles. You'll reduce the total number of shoes that you'll go through in a year. I personally guarantee it. Visit runspeedland.com. Use code freetrail10 for 10% off your order. Also, earlier this week, we announced Trail Runner of the Year, the new year-end award recognizing the best trail runners in the world for 2022. Make sure you go get your picks in within the next two weeks. And before you do so, please read the instructions and criteria that we hope you use when constructing your ballot. That article is posted on freetrail.com. Put a link in the show notes. We really hope you will participate. And if you do, we hope you'll put deep thought and research into your ballot. Voting is open now at fantasy.freetrail.com, and it will be open all the way until December 20th. Finally, if you enjoy what we do. We 
would love if you would join Free Trail Pro, the online and IRL community of passionate trail runners around the world. Get access to a catalog of training plans, inclusion on the Free Trail Community Slack, where trail banter is world-class. You get access to office hours, our weekly community Zoom call, discounts to our brand partners, and a whole lot more. Visit freetrail.com. Find the link in the show notes to learn more about Free Trail Pro. Okay, thanks for being here and supporting what we do. Hope you enjoy the episode. Martina Valmasoy, welcome to the podcast. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Dylan. It's nice to be here and finally talk this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been trying to schedule this for like three weeks now, and there's been some complications, which maybe we should start with that. Why don't you uh, explain how you're doing? I know we, as we were setting up this podcast, you then you know, sort of went silent in our email exchange and then posted that you had had a fairly scary accident while out climbing in the mountains near your home in Italy. So tell us what happened yeah. and how you're doing. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it has been a bit unfortunate and fortunate, I would say. Uh, of course, I was not lucky because I got um, into this uh, accident while climbing and it was a long time since I wasn't climbing, you know, uh, probably was my second climbing route in four years and uh, the second in three days. So I really, I was just starting to, to, to do that again. And, and uh, well, I went to a really popular place in uh, Arco, um, close to Lake Garda. And uh, well, you know, just like, at the end of the route, um, a huge uh, block, like a huge uh, stone, like um, fell down, fell on me basically. And uh, I was lucky enough to be to be looking up, and so I saw it coming, and so I was able to to move as much as I could. But of course, I was belaying, so I could not move much and uh, anyway I protected my head at least and my chest but the one of the big um, rocks just hit me on the hip and uh, so yes I broke my uh, iliac crest yeah I yeah so luckily it's a composed fracture even though there's few crack on it mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah like um I'm I'm happy because I really I could have it could have been really really much worse, and so yeah, just now it just needs some patience and um, try to stay quiet, even though because now the pain it's uh it's okay and so I can I can move a little bit in in my apartment with crunches and it's it's hard to be just staying on the couch you know i always yeah. try to move a little bit and then i move stuff and and then my mom complains because i get tired and, and i move <laughs> more than what i should but um yeah you know it's difficult for us to stay still you know yeah but uh it's okay it's go- it's just gonna be it's a break you know it's, uh, sometimes it happens what is the recovery it's a bit of a like? shame well i don't really like until now they haven't been able to 
tell me much. Uh, they just say that, uh, yeah, for this month, for the first five weeks, I, I really need to chill and just, just like try because as I did not, I didn't need uh, an operation. I didn't need surgery. Yeah. Um, so I just need to, to, to relax and rest um, yeah. to heal the fracture. And then, uh, so in three weeks, I will know hopefully the, the the fracture will be like hopefully good and i could try to start do some probably swimming yeah. <laughs> which i hate but <laughs> it's <laughs> gonna be interesting yeah. yes well, but uh, yeah well let's see yeah well thank goodness you're okay i know that was probably yeah. a pretty scary incident and a tough way to yeah. And what has been a really awesome season for you. And I'm excited to talk all about all the interesting things that you've yes. got going on and that you were tackling this summer. But actually, while we're on the subject, it reminds me that in one of the first episodes I ever recorded, it was with Hillary Allen. And she recounted yes. the story of her near-death accident in the mountains where she fell. Yeah, I was there. Probably, probably you don't have to come to with me in the mountains. No, no, I'm kidding. No, but <laughs> now, now that we're t we're sort of starting here, I'd love to yeah. allow you to recount that incident. I actually, I was texting with Hillary to make sure it was okay that you and I talked about okay. this, but. Um, she, you know, of course, was, uh, you know, racing in Tromso, the Tromso Sky Race and had what was a really scary near-death accident fall uh, from the high point. Yeah. And from what I understand, you were really involved in the rescue. So maybe tell us a little bit about that story and how that impacted you. Yeah, well, that was really, really scary. Um, yeah, I, I knew Hillary before. I mean, and... Um, I was there um, as a photographer, um, and so yeah, we always go um, up to the ridge of Hamperoken, and we were going back. I was I was with Ian Corliss, um, the photographer from Skyrunning. He used to shoot Skyrunning. Well, you know him. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, well, we were just like uh, going back, and uh, we we were stopping. Um, to get some shots and I saw Hillary coming and so we stopped and uh, we cheered each other hey hi and, and you know it was everything came like happened so quickly that I well it's super clear in my mind it's just that uh, how she fell uh, we didn't see because um, um, she was coming right behind a, a rock. The ridge was going a little bit back and forth. And so she was hiding in the moment she fell. Mm. So I, I, but I saw her coming out. So okay. she was already dropping out from the mountain when I saw her. <sighs> and I saw her bouncing multiple times. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you freeze for a second. And uh, the fall was really, really bad. Um, you really could tell, like, I, I, I honestly thought she was gone because I, I saw how she fell. And, um, and then luckily I heard her screaming. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's like, 
okay, she's hurting, but she's alive. So as soon as I, well, as soon as she stopped, I started to run uh, down. Um, And uh, so, well, try to find a safe spot to run down because it's not an easy terrain. (laughs) But uh, somehow I arrived down, um, I arrived to her um, just after um, Manu, uh, this guy that lived in Tromso, he was just behind her, with her, so for him it was easier, faster to go to reach her. So I arrived just after him, and uh, well, luckily I had, uh, I always, I, well, not always, but I often try to carry, you know, even if I'm working, uh, survival blankets and something uh, just mm-hmm. in case, uh, because you never know. And so luckily I had a survival blanket and, uh, well, of course, um, Hamperocken is a never good, it's never good weather in this race. Um, at least that day we were lucky enough that, uh, the helicopter could fly because I, I raced that race, uh, other times and, and definitely, um, the, the race I did it, it was not possible to, to let the helicopter fly for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, before to go down, actually, right when I was going down, I uh, called Kilian and he was uh, at the top of uh, Amperocken, at the really top of the, the ridge. We managed the, um, to call the rescue and everything. Well, I called Kilian, Kilian right away called the, called the rescue. And then um, after there was also Ian that came down and well, basically we were holding uh, Hillary um, uh, until the the rescue came. And so, yeah, basically that's it. But um, yeah, it was pretty scary. Um, She was always conscious, which is good. Um, And so she was like in the bad luck. she was really lucky that she did not she did not hit her head yeah at all at all so it is the first thing we checked because uh and uh, at least um this is something because really she bounced multiple times so yeah. yeah well i'm sure it was a fairly traumatizing and scary thing for you to be a part of yeah. but, you know thank goodness that hillary is okay and back competing at the highest level in the sport and I think now with you recovering from your own rock fall incident while you're climbing, yeah. it's a good reminder for our listeners to just be safe when you're in the mountains and do everything you can yeah. to mitigate yeah, all that. Yeah, well, and, and sometimes just be prepared because, you know, even if you don't do anything wrong, something can happen. The mountains yeah. are the mountains. You can't control it. And uh, and you have to accept it somehow. I mean, there's no reason for me to be angry at the mountain, you know. Uh, it's a bit unfortunate, you know, it's a, it's a, for me, it's a route that like there's millions of people going up there every year. We had four teams ahead of us. They Uh all passed through there and I was the only one. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You know, it's just like sometimes it has to happen. Uh, Yeah. yeah, So, yeah. Well, it's, I think maybe a, uh, 
you know, if kind of a powerful and, uh, I don't know, uncomfortable place to start just talking about falling in the mountains and these like big injuries. <laughs> mountains and, are great. Yeah, mountains exactly. are great. I'm yeah. still looking forward to going to the mountains. That's the final <laughs> so, thing to say. Anyway, it's a, a good place to start, but you know, I think a, a lot of people are going to want to get to know you personally. And I think this is a great opportunity to do so as a longtime follower and admirer of yours. I really am interested to hear you talk about the career you've carved out for yourself in the sport and hear about your recent victory at TDS and your personal Giro, Giro d'Italia, your bike <laughs> adventure this summer. So we have a lot to get to, but I think just first, the best place to start is just to introduce yourself as we were getting started here. I explained that we've got an international audience, but certainly most people are North American based. And I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of people listening who follow you on social media, but who don't know as much about your story. So tell us a little a bit about your background, your history with sport, your Italian heritage and things like that. So, yes, um, I'm born and raised in the Dolomites. So and I'm back home now uh, since five years. And um, yeah, I, I grew up as um, doing sports uh, because my parents were really, really passionate about multiple sports, Nordic skiing. They were flying, they were sailing, they were like really, really active in the mountains, climbers. And uh, so since I was really, really young, I started uh, doing sports. I started uh, to, to do mainly um, Nordic skiing. And then, of course, uh, when you are a Nordic skier, you train uh, in summer, you go hiking, you go running. And um, so I, I was really, I was fortunate to have a... Um, uh, like I grew up in the mountains and I lived in a place surrounded by mountains. So that's really like um, where I feel good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, until I, I was a teen, I competed in Nordic skiing. Um, I was not good, I think. <laughs> or, you know, there's so much about gear and gear preparation in Nordic ski that can be really frustrating and Sometimes, uh, even if you train hard, you don't get the, the great, the fast keys or so it was a bit, uh, it was a little bit too much to handle for me um, when I was a teen. And, and then my mom was doing uh, some ski mountaineering races, more uphill races. And uh, so she got into, yeah, she got me into ski mountaineering. The first races were horrible because I was really, really good in the in the climbing and like in the uphills um, as an Nordic skier. But it took me like I was taking longer to go down <laughs> to get down the mountains rather than going up. So, but still, <laughs> I yeah, it was it was hilarious. Sometimes yeah. I was crying uh, under a trees and just like oh, I could not finish this race I need to call the rescue <laughs> also because like the, the races we were doing as a young when we were young they they were really really tough I mean like senior races with really hard downhills with any kind of snow and uh, me I did not have the experience like I was not experienced they they saw like the potential my potential and then I, I competed um, um, uh, in the World Cup for um, like 10 years and then I'm still competing but just out of the World Cup now doing yeah. 
the races I want, uh, races of the Grand Course and, and so on. So, yes, I, I, I can tell I'm, I'm a stronger ski mountaineer, maybe. Uh, and then, of course, uh, as you do uh, winter sports, you still have to train in summer. And I always, I always run. I always um, hiked um, in summer. And, um, and uh, but I, I was basically, you know, just doing short distances for training. And I started to do something longer and get more into trail running since I started to work for Salomon as yep. a content creator. So, yeah. yeah. Well, great. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, good introduction and appreciate you giving us a little bit of the background. And there's a lot there that I want to touch on later on in our conversation, but I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about your mom and the inspiration that she's <laughs> given you as an athlete. Cause of course I don't know her personally. I don't know anything about her, but as I was texting with Hillary yesterday, she also mentioned that <laughs> she's developed an interesting relationship with your mother and that she exemplifies that proud Italian hospitality yeah. when uh, Hillary has come to visit the Italian Dolomite. So maybe talk about your mom and how she's influenced and inspired you as an athlete. Well, my mom, I think at the end of the year, she has more elevation gain than I have. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I think so, because I mean, um, well, she's, um, uh, she's 63, but like she's every, every day at 8 a.m. She's already up the hill above my house, which is 800 meter of elevation. She's doing that every day on a regular basis. She picked the, the dog um, of the bakery because now she doesn't have the dog anymore. We used to have dogs. It just died. But oh, yes. And yeah. so, yeah, but so she always have to. So if even if she doesn't have a, a dog now, she go and pick a dog of someone else. And then she go, <laughs> I just go out to walk the dog. And then she go with 4,000 meters of elevation and then come back and prepare coffee, you know? Yeah. And I'm, and sometimes I feel like, oh man, I'm so lazy. My mom is already on top of the mountain, you know? And I'm like, I, I just having breakfast. So sometimes it's frustrating. Uh, she really cannot live without it. Um, she has to go out, even if it's a short uh, hike or if it's, um, yeah, like she needs it and um it's what um i think i got from her i really got the the passion of the mount from the mountains uh, yeah. of the mountains so you know obviously i want to get around to talking about your athletic career but maybe before we do that let's talk about your creative streak <laughs> and the career you've carved out for yourself as a photographer, content creator, and entrepreneur in the sport. Cause I think you've really done a great job of piecing together what seems to be a great lifestyle and a great profession for yourself. And I think it's something that a lot of young athletes could try and duplicate in their own career. And, uh, you know, I think sort of like supportive of your athletic career, you sort of have this freelancing role as a photographer. And I know you also own a business. So let's first like talk about the photography components yes. and I'd, I'd love to hear you talk about how you got into that how you developed that skill and how it's kind of supportive of this greater career that you've built for yourself in the sport so yes I I've always um I've always been passionate about art and art in general and um 
in high school, I, I have been in a, I, I did a art school uh, when I was in high school. And then I haven't, um, I didn't go to the university because I started working uh, right away. And also because I, I really, I was confused. I, I didn't know which path I, I wanted to take. And so I, I say, okay, I'd rather start working and um, bring home some money. And then uh, if I would like clear up my mind, then I would go to university because I, I didn't like the idea of just, because most of my friends were just starting the university because if you wait, then you will never start. But yeah. I was like, no, if you really want to start, you will start at any age. You know, my mom uh, as, as went to the university when me and my sister were kids. So, you know, if you want, you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, so um, photography for me started like really as a hobby um, after when I quit school. And um, when I finished school, not quit. <laughs> yep. And um, and uh, so yeah, I I really like to to bring it when I was skiing or just hiking in the mountains. But then when I started working um, full time, um, like I, I did I did many jobs, but yeah, like the last one I was pretty much uh, uh, with really committed like you know when you try to to compete in a world cup and work full time it's difficult to find time to go also taking pictures so uh but it's still something that i i i did when i was in holidays or on free time and then i got this opportunity with salomon which was really really fortunate (laughs) um in 2015, I started to like um, just uh, because uh, I went to the Salomon Running Academy. The 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 guy, the ones from for the kids, um, the young guns, um, all the young guns that now are superstars in yeah. the trade. And uh, I was there as a guest, as I was part of the Salomon. Um, Italian team, let's say, uh, I was an, an ambassador for Italy, and I was living close to Limone, uh, where took place the event, and so I was there, and I, I got to meet all the legend in Salomon, like Greg Volley and Serge, the designer, and so I, I was there as the others, and you know, I had to fill the questionnaire, um, even though I was like 10 years older than them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I actually was lucky because I was supposed to be doing um, the Mezzalana, one of the most popular schema races, but uh, there was bad weather. And so it got delayed and I was mm-hmm. able to join the event. And yeah, then after the event, after talking a bit with Greg, Greg about dreams and plans and so on, um, I, I told him uh, I was passionate about photography. I was taking some picture when we were there. And um, like 10 days after that, um, I got the message in on Facebook from Greg saying, hey, uh, you know, next month we are going to we're going to have a um, trail running trip to in Asia um, to develop the sports there. And we need someone who's able to run and create content on on the runs and on the on the evenings at the events 
Yeah. And, and it's like, ah, and it's going to be two weeks in China and Korea. We're going to pay, pay you to do the job. And uh, you just need to come and cover the expenses. And I remember I was just like on bed, like watching this, like reading this message. And I was like, okay. So I was like really frozen for a second. I was like, okay, this is this is something I have to decide now what to do because I was I was working in a shop uh-huh. and I knew I knew I could not because it was May and I know it, it's like busy season there and I knew I could not ask you know two weeks uh, holidays and I was like okay now I need to decide. Um, Quickly, also because it's like, okay, I, if I go, I need to start to plan everything right away because I need the visa and maybe I quit my job and I don't even get the visa and I don't get to go <laughs> to China yeah. and Korea. And also it was like, you know, I had to bet on something. I, I didn't know, you know, if it was bringing me somewhere. Yeah. He didn't told me like, you know, we are giving you a job it was like okay you have the job for these two weeks and that's it yeah and so i had i really i was like okay you know i go i i do it i quit my job in two days i apply the same day for the visa for china and i was like fine i'll do it I, if if it's not going right, then I will find another job. It's okay, but I need to take this opportunity. I don't have to miss it. And I'm always like, wow. Sometimes you need to really be able to to get uh, on the boat because uh, otherwise it's leaving. You know, yes. and there's no second chance to get the boat. Yeah. <laughs> And so I thought, okay, I go and I was so stressed for like the next 20 days, 25 days, because the visa was not coming, you know, and I was like, oh no, now I don't even get the visa. And it came like two days before departure. Yeah. It was like, and then, and then it started like this. And then since 15, so since this, uh, that I'm working that I've been working uh, as a freelance, but um, yeah. for Salomon mainly. And um, yeah, it yeah I mean, it's really wow. a great journey. Yeah, what a great story. And I uh, yeah. love the way that you described it of having to take a big risk and bet on yeah. yourself and your passion for photography at the time. And it seems like that big decision has led to a fantastic career as a creative in the sport. And you're one of the most, you know, sought after photographers in all likelihood. You're certainly one of my favorite follows on Instagram. You're always sharing photographs of what you're doing. Maybe talk about the vision from Solomon in bringing you on board in that capacity, because I think it's quite smart for them to use their athletes in multiple different ways, because now you've sort of built your career with them as both an athlete and as a creative. So maybe if there's anything you want to share about representing a brand, both in the traditional sense as an athlete, but then also kind of using your intellectual skills, your creative skills to contribute in a unique way as well. Yeah, well, um, I really, I think I really have to thank uh, thank Greg for 
who made me start uh, like this, me and Philip. I think we were the pioneers, you know, yeah. we both started that year. He he was in the team from from before. He this started like Philip five years Reiter. sooner. It's Philip the, Reiter. Yeah, yeah German, the German, German machine. Yeah. <laughs> but also yes. a great athlete and a great photographer and creative yes. in the sport. And, and yes. I think it is, I don't know, just kind of a visionary move by Greg and Solomon as a whole to recognize that you yes. guys have these skills outside of being great athletes and yeah, I mean, I think put them to work. Yeah. The point from Greg was like, yeah, we, we want to inspire people, but um, we are missing so much we are not sharing enough because we we are doing such great runs and we are sharing so much uh with our team that it's a shame that uh, you just stop for photo shooting you know that he wanted to have a more of a inside view uh in team and um and it was really it was really great because at the beginning really there were not many doing what we were doing now you see more of it um but uh yeah it was it has been amazing because uh, it was like it and it gave a possibility to me and Philly that for us it was really a hobby we were not professional photographers we did not study as photographers but you know that was a place for us because it was like okay I don't know how to take uh um a portrait of someone at the beginning you know i didn't know how to do certain kind of picture but i knew how to run hold my camera and then <laughs> take yeah. the moment and and cover somehow um a long run with the team and um and also you were sharing uh, you were not just there to to make this memory but you were there to live to live it too and so I think uh, it it was uh, it's what came out and what was like the the winning um, strategy, uh, especially at the beginning for Solomon, you know, yeah. in the past years. Yeah, They're really smart, and it's great to see how you and Philip have both kind of blossomed into these fantastic photographers. And uh, again, he's also one of my favorite follows on the yeah. internet on Instagram. And you guys do a great job of documenting a lot of the races and getting a lot of those candid pictures of the Solomon athletes when they're competing. And I think because you guys are both athletes, it not only gives you better access so that you can be on Hopper Oaken Ridge or whatever at Tromso, mm -hmm. and, you know, have the fitness and capability to navigate that type of terrain and get those photos, but also that you have the credibility with the athletes. They probably feel comfortable around you and with you taking photographs of them. And I think it really comes through in your creative work. You talked a little bit earlier about how you've always been kind of artistic and it makes me want to talk also about your insane inside project. And for our listening audience, they've probably seen, especially the hats that you've made. Yeah. They may not know the brand and stuff. So I'd love for you to tell the origin story of how that came about. Yeah. Yeah. That's also an, a, a nice story. I think it all is, it also came um, a bit thanks to Greg, I would say, because he was always wearing this cycling cap, caps uh, from uh, Cinelli, which is a popular Italian brand for cycling. And uh, we were in one of these trips uh, to China, and we were on this never-ending uh, train 
um, transfers. <laughs> and uh, it was at uh, that time, it was just like uh, two, uh, two other athletes, maybe a Japanese athlete, me, Greg, and um, Arnaud, the physio. And, um, and, uh, um, actually it comes a bit before because at the advanced week, you know, the, the team, team meeting yeah. we do every year for Salomon, uh, that year we do, we did it in, uh, Keswick in the Lake district in, in England. Uh-huh. And, um, and, uh, Greg brought this white, like blank, uh, caps, cycling caps, branded Salomon, and he brought pencils to draw on them, uh, and uh, it was was funny because you know everyone started to draw uh, on their caps, you know, and uh, and basically there was me and Ricky Gates really into it, and the other were just like <laughs> doing doing random things, but. Um, and uh, in one of the after that, um, uh, he still he was still traveling with some of these caps. And uh, during one of these transfers, um, I was really bored. And uh, uh, Greg gave me one of these caps, and I started to design something. And uh, and uh, well, I drew um, a mountain goat on top of a mountain. Yeah. For him. And he used this this cap until it was like really horrible to look because it was like all the ink was coming down, you know, it was not yeah. really waterproof. But he, he loved it because he loved the design. And then uh, Arnaud came to me, he's like, ah, yeah, you know, but uh, you are really passionate about what... Um, about and you're really good at doing this thing why you should uh, you should start to do um to create a brand you know make some product and people will love it and then from that idea it really i really started to draw and um and uh, with the help of arno uh we started this company called insane inside design which this name it was actually coming i was thinking about this like many years before because uh, i always had this kind of um i wanted to create some kind of a brand even when i was more a bit uh, ski uh, skiing more uh, mm-hmm. a bit of a lifestyle brand and so i already had the, the logo and the name and so i was like okay well if we if we do this i think i already worked at this logo and i thought about the philosophy of being insane inside and why not using this and um, yeah we both agreed and uh, and yeah i started to do to create these cycling caps and then uh, now we have uh, also different kind of uh, styles and some t-shirts it's still a really small um yeah brand and and of course we struggled a lot we basically stopped to work during covid and yeah. so right now it's it's restarting again so it uh, can be difficult sometimes but um yeah it's really you know it's really um for of course it's it's um it's are my ideas and so when i see people wearing it and they are actually enjoying the design then they are giving compliments to me it's it's really cool because you you know as soon as you you might like something but then when someone else you get the the, the, 
um, um, approval and you know when people likes what you're doing and that they tell you that it's it's really particular and unique um, it's really special because you know now you can find really anything yeah. online and so you really need to have something a bit special to to make it work yeah yes so before we start talking about your athletic career too and the things that you've been up to this summer maybe last maybe. question on this subject you know, I think maybe two things. If you wanted to talk about the process of creating the physical products and how it's similar or different to photography, like what is the different creative inspiration with digital images versus visual art and physical product design? But also maybe in answering that question, I just feel like you've done such a great job of establishing a really interesting career for yourself as a photographer, as this brand builder with Insane Inside, even if it is a small kind of creative artistic project right now, it's like an entrepreneurial venture. And then in addition, being an athlete yourself, any uh, advice that you would have for younger athletes coming up who are looking to make a name for themselves or make a career for themselves in the sport of trail running or in the outdoor industry? I think you really need to be open-minded and to like um, develop different skills, let's say. Of course, there will, there will always be a prevalent one. You know, you will always be more focused into running or more focused into work or, or into design. But um, there's a link between the three, you know, between these three words. Three word. I always go to the mountains because I train or because anyway, I enjoy being in the mountains. Being in the mountains, like it's natural for me to look around as like, well, you know, I run and I say, oh man, that's, it's a no, there's an awesome ridge. That moment, I like it to translate into art because then it's like, okay, why not bringing like, bring this awesome sunset into a hat and then um, squeeze in some quotes from the run or something that will cheer some somebody up because you know even though sometimes i i don't need to be cheered or you know everyone is personal like depends on your personality sometimes someone needs to be kicked out of the door some someone is really motivated but I think people like to be cheered on anyway. And um, so for me, it's it's really natural. Sometimes it's difficult to train hard because, I, you know, if I train uh, early in the morning and there's a beautiful sunrise, well, it's more often the opposite. I, I don't really like to wake up so early. <laughs> Let's say it. <laughs> your, mom, your mom's out there crushing mountains. Yes, exactly. Or with like, if I was like... My mom, it would have been a problem because I would have like 500 gigabyte of pictures because then I would like, I would stop and like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I need to take a picture. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I think it's also really important to have different focus, you know, mm -hmm. especially, you know, when you have seatbacks, like right now, you know, Everyone is sending me like advices on uh, Netflix uh, uh, series to watch, books, and and uh, but 
honestly, I have a lot of things to do at home because even though if I, even if I'm not going out of the mountains, I have other things and I don't, and I know that the mountains will be there. Yeah. You know, I'm missing something at the moment, but there's also an opportunity to do something else, which I was lacking because this summer I, I haven't been working so much and, and I haven't been drawing so much because I was more focused into running, into training. And anyway, um, the thing I, I would like to say to young athletes is really like, um, yeah, training is important if you want to develop as an athlete. But remember that uh, um, we are not machine. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a successful athlete i think you really need to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and taking care of yourself it means also um invest in something else always have a a plan b the free trail podcast is brought to you by boa fit system you all know boa the best lacing system ever invented you know the dials you see on every pair of speedland footwear and on a number of other high quality products in the outdoor and endurance sport marketplace Boa dials ensure the best possible fit and therefore the best possible performance and experience while you are out ripping on the trails. The LI2 dials are what we use on the Speedlands, which offer incredibly customizable fit. You can tighten and loosen them to very precise increments on the fly, all without tying silly shoelaces. Seriously, it's 2022. Who ties their shoes anymore? Once you go BOA, you never go back. These dials will change your life and make your feet much happier. To learn more about BOA, visit boafit.com. Follow them on Instagram at boafitsystem. Thanks to BOA for their support. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. Are you tinkering with your race day nutrition strategy? Are you finding that the nonstop consumption of energy gels and chews leaves you with intense taste fatigue and sugar overdose? Well, I have some advice for you, something I've done for years now. That is, drink your calories. I've tried everything on the market and I am here to tell you that not all drink mixes are created equal. The Gnarly Fuel 2.0 drink mix is by far the best that I've tried for both taste and energy supply. Fuel 2.0 is the bomb, especially the cherry cola flavor. That is my absolute favorite. It has all the carbohydrates, the electrolytes, the amino acids to power you along your trail adventures. Two more things that make it amazing. One, it is NSF certified for sport, so you don't have to worry about unintentionally ingesting any banned substances. And two, they come in both multi-serving bags and single-serving pouches. I typically use the big bag, but in case I use a single-serve stick in a race or a long training run where I need to refill my bottles, the sticks are actually easy to open. It's a miracle. We've all fumbled with drink mix pouches that are impossible to tear open on the run. Is there anything more frustrating? Well, Gnarly somehow solved for that too. So go grab some Fuel 2.0 drink mix at gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your purchase. Gonarly.com, use code FREETRAIL15. We haven't even gotten to your athletic life yet, so we should spend the rest of our time talking about that. I want to first talk, I just want to like talk about your summer. So you did a 
personal project, a sort yeah. of solo Giro d'Italia. So that I was yeah. adv- avidly following on your Instagram account. So explain this adventure quickly before we move on to TDS. So how did that inspiration strike you? And what was the project? Oh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was something in the past three years, I've been discovering uh, the like, I've been discovering cycling and I found it a really nice way to train. But uh, what I love the most about cycling is that you can travel far and you can see so much uh, without hurting your body too much. (laughs) Because with running, you know that it can be really painful sometimes. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, last year I was really, really following and I was, uh, I got, I, I became a huge fan of uh, Lachlan Morton. Of course, he's a pro cyclist, so he does that more than me. <laughs> and so he, he did a, this Altour, which was um, through the France by himself, uh, unsupported. And uh, also he covered the transfers of the Tour de France. So this was insane. Yeah. It, during the Tour de France and with the se- in the same time. So he actually finished a few days um before that but yeah yeah so this was like i was super inspired and you know even though i mean this was a a huge adventure uh that he said was the hardest thing he had ever done um but it still like it got in my head and i was like okay maybe next year i want to do something like this yeah, so then I I I took the flight down to Sicily, and of course I didn't do the first three stages in Hungary because I mean it was a Giro d'Italia for me. I didn't sure. have to go there, <laughs> and you know I had to move myself. So the first three days I was mainly riding the transfers, and then I thought, okay, I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, okay, because you know I I did. The, 10 hours the first day, 10 hours the second day. And then I was like, okay, then I had to to do the transfer. And it started to be insane because, you know, I was still riding quite fast, but it was a lot to manage. And as I told you, I had 600 kilometers of riding before to start, which is like nothing. Not enough training. Yeah. (laughs) No. But you did it. I mean, what an adventure. So basically, you know, just to summarize for the listeners, you you rode the entire Giro d'Italia, which is a three-week heroic bike effort that many of the top professional athletes and professional cycling teams in the sport do. But you did it all by yourself without a support team. Yeah, Yeah, with my bags, my bags on the bike. And uh, covering my transfer somehow, trains and lift and uh, parents when possible. (laughs) And it was super cool. And at the end, it was still like um, 3,150 kilometers Mm -hmm. and 50,000 meters of elevation gain. Oh, my God. In 18 days. (laughs) Well, it was uh, quite yeah. a thing to follow on your Instagram, and I would encourage yeah. people to go back and check out some of the photos. Yeah, there's still that, some stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And I think, yeah, again, just another good example of your 
creativity. And I love that you took the inspiration from Lachlan Morton, who had done something similar in the Tour de France the year before. So let's talk about TDS, where you accomplished a fantastic victory, probably in large part because of the fitness that you gained in this three-week bike tour that you did all by yourself through Italy. Um, talk about the, the race itself. Like how, how did it play out for you? I know it was the longest race that you'd ever done. And I know you were really happy with your performance. So what did you learn at TDS? Yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was, uh, something special. Um, I really love this race. Um, I've been working on it at the, I've been working at the race many years and, um, and then I, so I was sure that was the, the races I liked the most uh, in the UTMB week. Yeah. Because it's a little bit more, it's more wild, more technical. It's really hard and it's, it really suits me more than the other races. And I mean, I felt well. I, I felt good in training and um, not every day, of course, because even in the best season, you have the, the shittiest days. Uh, but you know, overall, I was uh, getting um, to the start line more confident and definitely feeling more prepared than the previous year. And um, this year, I did the best I could to prepare, and I think I I prepared well. Um, anyway, yeah, it's still it was still like something you know it's going into the unknown because I never been. Um, out so far uh, so long you know uh, while running I did the 24 hours skiing but it's completely different and so I found myself uh, leading the race really pretty early from the first checkpoint um, and uh, what I think played uh, really well this year it's uh, the different time of the start um, because we started at midnight mm-hmm. and I really love to start at midnight also because like to start in the dark. Yeah. Um, because it gives you um some peace, you know. You just yeah. you can you can just focus on yourself. You you can listen to music or anyway, just you just you don't see people, you don't see who's behind you, who's in front yeah. of you, you just see headlamps. And so you can't really you can't really stress, oh, someone is right behind me don't know and so you just do your own thing uh which is pretty cool i think yeah. even if if i'm i'm not someone who would stress too, too much if someone else is in front or so on it's still like it gives you it's a peaceful start let's say yeah, <laughs> yeah. well I'd love to hear you talk about what it meant for you in your career. I mean, winning a race during UTMB week is obviously a career highlight for any athlete. It's like winning a stage of the Tour de France or something like that. And again, being your longest race ever, I'm sure this was one of the most special competitive achievements in your career. Have you had time to reflect on that? Yes. Well, for sure, this this was a huge for me and I can still like remember the feeling and like the pain also <laughs> I, was, I was like ex- uh yeah experiencing uh, the last part and but it's the same thing for everyone maybe yeah. not for Courtney I don't know but, <laughs> but 
<laughs> she's coming back on the like, podcast to talk about the grand raid. So yeah, I'll ask yeah, her. Yeah, I'll ask yeah. Her just keep on, and just keep on looking at how she go down in, uh, at the grand ride. I'm like, come on, like yeah. fake it, like try to live <laughs> sometimes. So then we feel like better, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it's it's interesting because you know, um, yeah, this summer was a bit like, um, so it was like the reaction. It was funny because I always knew that I was able to to be competitive and have been competitive other years. It's just that um, I was always um, working. I was working more, and so you. Of course, the training can't be perfect if you are working a lot in yeah. between. And uh, of course, you need to, to adapt your plans to the work. So for me, it was mainly I'm working at races. And then when I can, I try to race because I like to be fit and I like to race. And this year was a little bit the opposite. I was like, OK, I want to have this focus and then I will work. But if somehow the is will impact too much my training i will try to reschedule the thing so i was just moving things around and this was the first time i was doing this um but still also previous year i was able to to do some good races i finished fifth at kima second at the marathon du mont blanc the 90k yeah i won the ultra dolomites uh, but still it's, it's funny because it was like it's like i win out of nowhere <laughs> this, yeah. this summer is like ah but i i didn't know you 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 were so strong or you were running i was like uh, yes I, I, it's not coming like yeah. it's not that i started training in may and and this is what the result i mean it's it's many years that i'm training maybe uh for sure it's like um it's three years that now i had really like um consistent training uh, through s- summer and winter, which has gave me better fitness this yeah. year. But mm-hmm. it's funny because I, I've always been competitive. Maybe some, maybe more in schema than in trail running, depending like the years. Yeah. But I've always been competing. But uh, especially for trails, it was like something like, ah, oh, but I didn't know you were actually a runner. Or like, yeah. yeah, just like not. Uh, running to take pictures and racing sometimes but actually being competitive yeah and winning um, pds yeah <laughs> now, now everybody knows yeah. well congratulations i mean what an awesome accomplishment you. for you and what a great place to build from for the future once you get this little injury behind you so yeah. obviously another thing that we need to talk about and we'll sort of start winding down now but after tds the good feelings didn't last all that long i mean <laughs> obviously you were celebrating your victory but then there was a bit of a i don't know if you could call it a miscommunication maybe that's generous but i'll let you explain yeah, that's that. generous. <laughs> there was a uh there was a little bit of a controversy relating to the prize money yeah. and the lack of prize money for TDS. So explain to the listeners what happened there. Yeah, so prize money and UTMB has always been a really um, difficult topic to understand. 
there's always some kind of mystery around. There's no, you know, in any other races, there's a there's a website and you go on prices and then there's a clear, you know, it's clear first first get this, the second get this, and it's everything pretty much detailed and and clear. For UTMB, has never been like this and has always been kind of like kind of a surprise for the runners. Sometimes there was no prize money, like years back there was no prize money, then there was some prize money, and then this year, uh, as it started to be, um, as this like series, UTMB series started, there was the promise that the prize money would have raised. Mm-hmm. But so the rules uh, in the website, they still stayed the same. I mean, it was written like last year that the prize money uh, was given to all the races, basically. So, or all the four main races, at least, TDS, CCC, UTMB, and OCC. So TDS was in it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, after after the, the prize ceremony um, in Chamonix, uh, we didn't get any envelope, nothing no mail nothing and so um we were wondering but we were also joking about uh, saying okay even this year we don't get anything from from utmb you know yeah um and then um all of a sudden you know as i'm someone who's working also behind the scene i got in my content team group uh uh, Georgie was telling me, hey, you know that uh, Manuel Marias got 10,000 euro for, for the OCC. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's a price money. I mean, and so, yeah, I started to investigate with the other runners. And uh, so basically, I find out that uh, TDS was the only race. Um, like the runner of TDS did not receive any mail. So I kindly uh, connected with the um, organizers and asking if uh, we were going to get something, if there was a mistake or so on. I just asked a question. And uh, I got uh, an answer like after a week, basically, uh, saying congratulations for your TDS. But uh, uh, no, there's no price money for... There was not... uh, plan the price money for TDS this year. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> like this. Uh, and so I was like, okay. Uh, I asked um, if I could, like, if she could tell me why, you know, just like, because in the in the rules, it's written that TDS was supposed to be paid. Mm-hmm. And I got no, no answer. Um, so, um, so then well, you posted on Instagram and started a big yeah, conversation. Yeah, I started, I, I, you know, it took it took me a few days to, to like, uh, get angry, yeah. you know, and just thinking, like, how, what can I do? And then I think I wrote it down, you know, with the right tone, because I think, you know, not shouting at them, but, you know, just... Uh, uh, it's good that other people realize that such a race, in, in like even with in a, 
with such a race like this, you can get no prize money, which yeah. is ridiculous, you know, because yeah. if you if you know like all the UTMB business and everything, it's ridiculous. And no one would ever imagine that there's no prize money for a race like that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, even though, even if I don't get money, I need to bring up the problem because if, if, if everyone just like say, okay, well, uh, bad luck, I should have picked another race. You know, this will never change. At least next year, you know, they will write it in the rules. No price money for TDS. And then you would pick another race if you yeah. just want to run, if you want to have a price money. And, uh, but I got a really good um, um, response from uh, the the audience you know from the people who was people was getting angry like <laughs> like it was me you know and yeah. and um, they were supporting me and uh, and I think uh, this was really good because um you know if it's if you want to get if you want to create an environment that's working well for the athletes, for the spectators and everything, you need to bring up the problems because, you know, you can't hide the problems and you you can't just highlight what's uh, the best, what's like, you know, because it's like, yeah, I got visibility, I got followers, whatever, but, you know, this is still something, this was a big mistake, at least, at least, you can't pay your bills with communication because yeah, it, you can't pay your yeah, bills with yeah. new followers and with good media attention yeah, exactly. at a you certain know, point the professional athletes do need to be compensated for the performances that they contribute yeah. to the sport and you articulated it very well and very civilly and ultimately utmb responded in the right way didn't they can you explain yes. what happened once you sort of made yeah, your after yeah, after a day of uh, insanity because everyone uh, was tagging UTMB and so they were bringing on the attention. Um, they just said that they were gonna they were gonna give a, a price money. So the price money after was something a bit ridiculous, let's say. But I would say, okay, it's better than nothing. And this is not this did not surprise me because also I know the, organi- the organization how it is and if they originally decided they were not giving prize money to TDS then they just wanted to shut up the um, the critics and, yeah. and so on so me and uh, Ludwig Pumere uh, which was the main uh, male leader uh, male uh, winner uh we got 1300 euro which compared to ten thousand uh, for the other races, it's for a much yeah for a much longer harder race. Ridiculous, but we cover some yeah yeah we cover somehow you know at least the travels. <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, yeah. again, I think this is going to be an important conversation to keep at the forefront of the sport for years to come and. You know, I'm sure UTMB learned a valuable lesson from this episode, and now they at least yeah. will be more clear about what the prize money distribution is. And if TDS really isn't going to be part of their kind of World Series, quote unquote, or the yeah. World Finals, then 
who knows, maybe it's better for them to just stop doing the race, which would be a shame. Like you said, because, you know, I've done the race myself and I think it's a fantastic event with a fantastic, beautiful course. And, uh, I think it deserves to be part of UTMB week. Um, but they'll have to do a better job of actually defining what its role is in UTMB week and especially defining the parameters of the prize money distribution for the pro athletes so that they can know going into it, what they can expect based on their performances. But, um, Martina, yeah. you know, we've been going now for almost an hour and a half and, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I'll let you go, but it's been a really, really fun conversation. And again, I think, uh, you really exemplify the 21st century professional athlete and being able to incorporate your creative skills and your talents into your career. And, uh, you know, creating, you know, a great following for yourself, a great brand for yourself and delivering a lot of great value to your followers and your sponsors. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming to come on the podcast and I appreciate you spending some time with me. Thank you. Thank you, Martina. Super fun conversation. What a great example of a 21st century professional athlete. What a great example for young athletes to follow for how to build a career within the sport. If you don't already, go follow Martina on Instagram, one of the best accounts on the entire internet. Link in the show notes. Free Trail Pro members, curious to hear what'd you think? Hop in the Slack. Let me know what resonated from the episode. If you would like to join Free Trail Pro, you're not a member yet, you should. It will only cost you $96 for an entire year, and I personally guarantee that you will get great value out of it. There is a free trial, so no pressure, no risk. Come see what the community is all about. We would love to have you. Thank you to our sponsors. Speedland, go grab some GS Tams. What are you waiting for? Runspeedland.com. Use code FREETRAIL10 for 10% off your order. Gnarly Nutrition, go gnarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off some great nutrition supplements. BOA, visit boafit.com to check out the best fit system on the planet. Again, go vote, vote for Trail Runner of the Year. The vote is totally democratized and being hosted at fantasy.freetrail.com. We would love to have you participate in the process. That's it. Okay, I am heading to Japan with Ryan tomorrow to work on some fun projects. The year is ending, but I am feeling quite inspired. I hope you're feeling the same. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you guys listening. Love you so much. Bye-bye.